Good morning, everybody. It's a privilege to uh, share God's Word this morning. We had to change our car a couple of months ago. Our very reliable Safira that we'd had for 10 years, clocked up 110,000 miles, was now starting to uh, struggle, shall we say. Things were going wrong. We got to that point where things were costing lots of money. It was time to change it. And all we wanted was a straightforward, reliable car with plenty of boot space for lots of instruments. Well, we haven't been and looked for a car for 10 years, and how things have changed. I'm not particularly bothered by gadgets and tech and all that sort of thing. I'm sorry to all of you that are involved in the design of cars here, but it doesn't bother me. I just want a reliable car with four wheels, brakes, doors, of course, you know, all those sorts of things. And the car we now have has loads and loads of tech and stuff. It's a car that, to me, is full of surprises. And those surprises just keep on coming. (laughs) Let me give you some examples. Some of you will listen to this and think, I've had those for years, Roger. Well, just just get in my shoes for a moment, because we haven't, all right? We've now got heated seats. We've got... Blind spot indicators that light up in the mirrors. Yeah, I see some of you nodding, think, yeah, yeah, we've got that. When you put it in reverse, the mirrors tip down so I can see better where I'm going. I've got cameras back and front and side. I was driving at night the other day, and I thought, oh, I need to put the headlights up. I was too slow because the car had already done it for me. <laughs> we also got this little feature that I was driving down the A127 the other day, and um, if you try and change lane without indicating, it, the car pulls you back. It just knows that you're veering, and, it, and it pull, it, the steering wheel tightens up and pulls you back. But I think one of the best features that we've found so far is the centre storage console between the two front seats. Seriously, it's huge. You could fit a small child in there. <laughs> But after safeguarding training last week, we've stopped doing it. (laughs) But it's also got a built-in sat-nav. We've never had a sat-nav before. But when we bought it, the salesperson said to us, you'll only get a visual map, which I thought was a bit odd. She said, if you want voice directions to go with it, you'll have to pay extra. But she said, don't worry. She said, just connect your own phone, listen to your phone telling you the directions. You can look at the map at the same time. I did think this was a bit odd, but anyway, that's what we've been doing, just linking the phone to it, driving around, and, uh, and, that, and that's how we've been navigating, and that's fine. But a couple of weeks ago, we're out in the car, and we've put a destination into the sat-nav, but I hadn't bothered to put my phone on. So we're just following the visual map. And halfway into the journey, all of a sudden, this voice from nowhere says, take the next exit and then turn right at the roundabout. While well, I looked at Sal, and Sal looked at me, well, not for very long, obviously I kept my eyes on the road, <laughs> we are both taken completely by surprise that the sat-nav has just suddenly spoken to us. Where did that come from? And it's carried on working ever since, and we haven't paid a penny. What a great surprise that was for us, but a very welcome one. 
And surprises can come in all shapes and sizes and all sorts of ways into our lives. Not always positive, I hasten to add. But all of us, I hope, can identify a positive experience, a positive surprise that we have experienced. Maybe you've been uh, given a surprise party. Maybe you've been given a gift that you didn't expect or been taken somewhere special. And I guess one of the most special surprises that uh, you can uh, that you can have is the birth of a baby. And if you're privileged to be a parent, you know what that's like. It's a wonderful surprise, but it's also a life-changing one. It requires preparation, planning, buying items and perhaps reading those books that help you to uh, navigate the world of having a, a baby in your life. But the most important thing you're going to need is room. Things will need rearranging and moving and a special room prepared. Because I can't imagine anyone sitting back and doing absolutely nothing, not making room for this amazing, life-changing surprise. And as Dave has already indicated, this Advent series that we're about to do over these next four weeks is entitled, Is There Room? And today we're thinking about, is there room for the surprise of Jesus? So let's turn to, our, turn to our Bibles. If you've got a Bible, you might um, want to follow it. It'll also be on the screen. And we're going to read the very familiar, well-known account of the birth of Jesus being foretold from Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favoured. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. But no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women. Blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. It's a familiar account. We read it every year, don't we? And God 
has a surprise for Mary. Probably the greatest surprise in human history. And he wants Mary to be a part of it. But has she got room for the surprise that's coming her way? Like the unexpected voice from our car's sat-nav, the voice of God speaks. And it all starts with an angel. Now, it's not often that angels turn up in the Bible. It's certainly not an everyday occurrence. But when they do, something major happens or is about to. An angel appeared in the Old Testament to Abraham and Sarah to announce the birth of Isaac. An angel appears to Moses in a burning bush and tells him to go and set God's people free. An angel appears in a fiery furnace in Daniel's day and three men are rescued. So when God sends an angel to Mary, something special is about to happen. And the angel is sent to Nazareth, a town of little significance, up in the hills, miles from anywhere. A nondescript dot on a map with little to offer, where about 400 people lived. And the angel is sent to Mary. Mary, uh, we believe, would have been aged between around about 13 and 16 years old. A seemingly insignificant girl in an insignificant town. I just want to stop for a moment there and just remind us that it is with insignificance, with insignificant things, that God often does his best and most glorious work. 1 Corinthians chapter 1 reminds us that God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. Don't ever think that you are insignificant. God can do incredible things through every single one of us. But anyway, back to Mary. Mary is living this simple and normal life. She is pledged to be married. But into this planned out life of Mary's, God cuts right across it and asks Mary to do something that will change the world. Here's Mary, her life mapped out, marriage about to begin, thinking maybe of settling to live in Nazareth with Joseph. But God has other ideas And he wants Mary to make big adjustments to her life, to be prepared to have it turned upside down to make room for the surprise of Jesus. This was huge. And the angel greets Mary with the words, you're highly favoured, the Lord is with you. And the Bible says Mary was greatly troubled with her at, at the words spoken to her. Well, you can't blame her, can you? If an angel turned up at my house and said the same thing, I'm pretty confident I'd be greatly troubled too. And I'd wonder what on earth was coming next. Mary knew something major was happening. And she knew also she's going to be involved. And in verse 30, we read... Um, 
But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You found favour with God. The angel speaks words that are found time and time again in the Bible. Do not be afraid or do not fear. And it's often been said from this very place that the Bible contains 365 times where the phrase do not fear or do not be afraid appears. And the words do not fear are often spoken with an affirmation or a promise. And on this occasion, the angel says to Mary, do not be afraid, you have found favour with God. And then the angel gives the most astounding message to Mary, an incredible surprise wrapped up in a series of other surprises. Surprise number one, you're going to have a child. Surprise number two, the child will be a boy. You're going to have a son. Surprise number three, you don't get to choose his name. His name will be Jesus, which means the Lord saves. And surprise number four, he's going to be great. He's going to be called Son of the Most High. He's going to be a king who will reign forever. God says to Mary through the angel, the promised Messiah, the one that the nation has been, that God's people have been waiting for, the Son of God, the promised one, the Saviour of all humanity, is going to be born through you. Now, Mary may well, Mary lived in, may have lived in the back of beyond in Nazareth, but she lived in a Jewish community that knew and held fast to the Word of God, to to the old. Uh, to the scriptures. She knew the prophecies and maybe in her mind she was starting to piece things together bit by bit. Joseph, who's going to be my husband, or is my husband, well, he's from the family line of David. And Isaiah, he'd spoken about a, a virgin being with child. Emmanuel, God with us. Mary's mapped out life and planned future was about to be redirected because God stepped into her seemingly ordinary life in an ordinary town and says, Mary, I've got the greatest surprise for you. I want you to be the one who will give birth to the saviour of the world. But have you got room for this surprise? Have you got room for the blessings of love, grace and power that I want to pour not only on you, but on all the world through you. Mary has to make a choice. Has she room for this surprise? Because on one hand, this most highly favoured young woman has been given an immense privilege. But on the flip side, being pregnant will bring both physical and emotional challenges. The physicality of pregnancy, however, was going to be small in comparison to the whispers, the gossip, the sly finger pointing and the allegations of adultery in her community. And just at this point in in this uh, exchange between Mary and the angel, as, as, as the angel has poured all this stuff out to Mary, you just get this kind of sense of a, a short silence while Mary is kind of considering these things. 
And it's a bit like one of those moments in a, in a game show where you're just waiting to hear what the contestant is going to say when they've got this major decision to make. Something like, who wants to be a millionaire? Are they going to go for that last question, that, that big money? Is it going to be a deal or no deal? And the contestant has to make a major decision and the audience waits. And then, after this short pause in Mary's life, in this moment, we get her reply in verse 34. And I love her reply. It's not no. It's simply how. And to me, that's a yes. Because it's not a why. It's not a where or a when. It's not even give me time to think about it, Gabriel. How about you come back next week and we'll have another conversation about it. In sheer humility and with sheer obedience, Mary says, how? You see, she could have been like Moses at the burning bush with his list of questions and excuses. Who am I? What will they say? What if no one believes? Why don't you ask somebody else? Mary's how simply says, I accept, but I need a bit of help here. Because I'm a virgin. Katie's song has that line in it, I've known no man. In Jewish, in, the, in Mary's situation, she'd gone through this situation where an agreement would have been made between fathers about who she would marry. The legal part of the marriage had been done and she was in this situation where she was living at home for a year before she finally moves in with Joseph and their marriage is completed. Mary knew the human biology. But what was God's biology? And the angel says, Mary, by the power of the Holy Spirit and the overshadowing of the Most High, this will happen. And this overshadowing means to cover with a cloud. And it's the same as the cloud that we have in the Old Testament of God's glory in Exodus in the story of Moses where the visible manifestation of the glory and presence of God was experienced. And this was going to be Mary's experience. A profound miracle was going to happen. And the child Mary was to carry and bring into the world would be the Son of God, Emmanuel, God with us. And then, as if to give Mary a deeper reassurance, the angel points her to her relative Elizabeth and says, She's been told that she's unable to have children and is well on in age, but now she is six months present. And then the angel says these most powerful and wonderful words, nothing is impossible with God. Because Mary's God and our God is truly trustworthy. He'll do what he's promised and is absolutely able to. And Mary responds by saying, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. What a response. What an affirmation of faith on Mary's part. What a willingness by this young girl. Mary agrees to receive a pregnancy that at best would have been suspicious and at worst would have risked the death penalty for adultery. God says to Mary, have you got room for the surprise of Jesus? And Mary says, yes.
And then we get this moment just at the end where Mary rushes off to see Elizabeth, a relative, who's also been the recipient of a miracle. And Luke in verse 39 says, Mary got ready and hurried to a hill town in the country of Judea. Now I've read this many, many times as I'm sure you have. And it makes it sound like she pops on her coat and walks a couple of miles. Well, let me tell you, the hill country of Judea from Nazareth was between 80 and 100 miles, a four to five day journey. And Mary is willing to do it, not only out of excitement, but for an affirmation also of what has happened. She needed someone to understand her. And Elizabeth was surely that person. So how do we respond to this once a year but so well known account? How do we respond to the question, is there room for the surprise of Jesus? Or put another way, when God comes calling, what do we say? Well, here's some possible responses and I pray that one of them at least will settle with each of us. Mary was asked to take on the surprise of carrying Jesus and of having him be a physical part of her life. And of course, that's never, ever going to need to be repeated. But each of us is asked, is there a place in your life for Jesus, first and foremost? Is he real and personal to us? Is he our personal saviour? Does the name of Jesus surprise and excite us over and over? Maybe you've been sitting here in church or even watching online for weeks, months or even longer and you've been aware of God speaking to you into your Mary-like ordinary life. Jesus wants to bring the great surprise of his grace and his love to you, to bring forgiveness, hope and restoration And maybe at the moment your response has been wholly different to Mary's. You're concerned that saying yes to Jesus will mean that your life will look very different. That's the whole point. A life given to Jesus is entirely different. Because it's the best life. Life to the full, despite its twists, turns and challenges. And if that needs to be your response this morning, I urge you to do what Mary did and accept the presence of Jesus spiritually. Make room for the surprise of his presence. Let his life be born in yours. That's the first response. The second is this. Have we room for the surprise of Jesus as we head into this Advent season, this time of preparation for the wonder of the birth of Jesus? Do you know what? Year after year, I find myself during this time of Advent getting frustrated at my own lack of wonder of Jesus' birth. Because the accounts are so familiar. And there's that age-old thing, isn't there, of familiarity breeding contempt. Just have a look at this slide for a moment. Dave has put this publicity together for us and created this, this slide And it's a slide of all things busy at Christmas, isn't it? Just look at it for a moment. All things associated with Christmas, but no Jesus. And as we put up decorations, and particularly Christmas trees, we will move things around. 
in our houses. We will make room for those things, even to the point of maybe sacrificing an item of furniture. We'll make room for plenty of things this Advent, this Christmas time. We'll make room in our fridges and freezers. We'll make time for shopping. We'll make time for all the concerts, the work nights out. And all these things are good. But in contrast, how much room and time do we give to the experience, to experience the surprise of Jesus all over again? My desire is to have my eyes opened, my mind prepared and my heart focused that the most incredible world-changing event of Christ's birth, my Saviour, won't pass me by and that the surprise of Jesus will be new and exciting all over again like rushing downstairs as a child and opening a gift given with such incredible love that I simply say, wow. And here's my final response that you may want to think about. Is there room for the surprise of Jesus when it's not Christmas? I can't remember who put the phrase together, one of of these uh, um, uh, animal... uh, caring sanctuaries or whatever it might be, but said a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Jesus is for life, not just for Christmas. Jesus is more than this yearly account that we've read, isn't he? Katie's song, again, I wanted it because it has that line in it, it's more than a story that's told once a year. And God wants to surprise us through Jesus And we need to consistently place ourselves for that to happen, just like Mary. You see, Mary was faithful to God, humble in character, and God chose that very day to use her. Psalm 139 reminds us that every day ordained for us was written in God's book before it ever came to be. So God has ordained the days of our lives, and he needs us to be ready in what may seem to us our ordinary, already planned out lives, and be prepared for him to cut across them and say, I've got something special for you. I want to surprise you. Have we got room for the surprise of Jesus, not only at Christmas, but at all other times of the year? Because God's not short of surprises. Just like our new car, they keep coming. Those surprises will keep coming if we we will place ourselves for them. He has so much to give of his love, his power and his grace. He keeps speaking and I want to keep hearing. Just like I hope our sat-nav doesn't stop speaking. We need to set aside our plans and our agendas and hold them lightly. And when the voice of God speaks by his spirit, whatever his request may be, Wherever it might take us, whatever suspicions or fears may rise up, that we don't find ourselves asking why, what or where, but we simply ask how. You see, the surprise of Jesus is not always what we want, but it is always the best. And like Mary did, we will trust like, and like Mary did, may, will we trust in the power and presence of God to fulfil whatever he asks of us with the full assurance that nothing is impossible with God? I don't want to miss out on the surprise of Jesus in any way. And with God's help, 
I want to make room for the surprise of Jesus today and every day. What about you? Shall we pray? God, we thank you for this wonderful account of how you presenced yourself in this world in such humble circumstances. Thank you, God, that you chose Mary to reveal your love, your grace, your power, your, your humanity to us, to become our saviour, our king, our friend. And thank you that, that through that, we also can know the love, grace, power, kindness and compassion of Jesus for ourselves. Thank you, Jesus, for your humanity. Thank you, you are Emmanuel, God with us. Not just then, but also now. We want to say thank you. We want to honour you. And we want to ask, Lord, that you would open our hearts to all that you have for us. All the surprises that that you want to, to to fill our lives with. Help us to have our eyes open, to position ourselves, to be ready to do what you ask of us in order that the fulfilment of all your blessings to us and through us, Lord, might be fulfilled. Lord, help us not to be people who ask why, what or where, but simply how. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.